Well, before we begin our study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This morning's message is called The Long Road of Redemption. Sometimes God's plan will leave us with no other option but to go forward. Kadima, that's Hebrew for forward. And we need to go forward with God knowing that he's our redeemer and our savior. We can't go back. We can't give up. We can't go with the crowd. And sometimes God's path forward is the long way. It's not the short way. That's because the path of redemption is long. Our path may be arduous and challenging, but it's effective and efficient in accomplishing God's plan and purposes for redemption. Shortcuts and quick fixes often are more appealing to us because they're less demanding, and they seem to offer the promise of faster results. However, they typically are totally ineffective and can even be counterproductive to accomplishing God's redemptive purposes. And that's why Yeshua teaches us that those who endure to the end, those who hold on to the ultimate purpose and goals and persevere with God, these are the ones who will experience the full measure of his salvation. Well, this was the situation that Israel faced at the Red Sea, in which we read about in this week's Torah portion. And before we look at that Red Sea moment, let's review some recent material from Exodus chapter 6. You can turn there. A couple weeks ago, our Torah reading told us that God was revealing himself at that time, not just as El Shaddai, God Almighty, or the Omnipotent One, but as yod heh vav the intimate name of God, by which Jewish custom now pronounces uh, Hashem or Adonai. Hashem means the name, and uh, it's Jewish custom not to try to pronounce yod heh vav heh And it's great to know God as El Shaddai, the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, who's able to fulfill all of his promises. But there's an additional side, Exodus 6 teaches us, an additional side to God that he wants all of Israel to learn about, not just ancient Israel, but all of us, uh, all of us Jews and the entire world in these days. He is yod Hey vav Hey. those are the four Hebrew letters of his name, the one who redeems and the one who saves. Let's read from Exodus 6 and we'll see the details. Exodus 6, starting in verse 2 and going through verse 9. And I would encourage you to add these scriptures into the comments section so that others can easily find them later. And those of you that are able to copy and paste the text, that is also great to do because it makes it easier to read along uh, for some people who don't have immediate access to their scriptures or aren't good at turning quickly to the scriptures. And also when people are watching on video later, they can see in the comment section exactly what we're talking about. Exodus 6, starting in verse 2. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and is using the Hebrew name Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. And in English, in many translations, when Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh is the Hebrew text, the English is written as Lord in all capital letters. I am the Lord, and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But by my name, yod heh vav the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. 
by my name. And this is one of the reasons why when Jewish people are reading out loud the, the Hebrew of the Torah and we come across yod Hey vav Hey, we say Hashem, the name, because God says my name, yod Hey vav Hey. Verse four, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as strangers. Furthermore, I've heard the groaning of the sons of Israel, the children of Israel, because the Egyptians are holding them in slavery and bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. And then he gives this instruction to Moses in verse six. Say therefore to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, or I am yod heh and I will bring you out from under the labors of the Egyptians, and I will rescue or deliver or save you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, and then I will take you as my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am yod heh I am the Lord, your God. I am Hashem, who brought you out from under the labor of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am yod heh So verse 9 then says, so Moses said this to the children of Israel, but they didn't listen to Moses on account of their despondency and the cruel bondage. So we, we see that God is saying, you have known me up until this point, according to my, my name and character, El Shaddai, God Almighty, I want you to know me as yod heh vav as Hashem. Um, and we can recognize immediately there must be some difference, some qualitative differences between those two aspects. And I think this passage brings forth what those differences are, that God Almighty, El Shaddai, is all-powerful, but yod heh vav reflects God as a redeemer and as a savior. And that's called out in these details where God says, I will bring you out. I will rescue and save you. I will redeem you and I will take you as my people. You see, those are aspects, not just of God's omnipotence, but of his character as redeemer and savior. He wants us to grasp this. He is God is the Savior. God is the Redeemer. Now, verse 9 tells us that Moses spoke as the Lord told him to, to the children of Israel, but they weren't able to listen. They weren't able to take it to heart. They weren't able to, to really take hold of this message because they were despondent and because of the cruel bondage that they had been suffering. You see, the Lord wants to reveal himself as redeemer and savior and deliverer. And it sounds like good news, but it's hard to receive. Verse 9 says they couldn't hear it. You see, our difficulties and our troubles can make it hard for us to receive what God wants us to hear. And that's why we want to be very deliberate, to maintain tender hearts with the Lord, even in the midst of difficulty. And with that as background, let's go to this week's reading. And just to set up the context and to remind you, I hope you're familiar with this. And I hope also that you've read this week's Torah portion and the Haftorah and the readings from the British Hadashah. You've read them in advance because that makes you more prepared. You're familiar with what we're talking about. You will not only take in more, you'll get more out of it. Not only will you get more out of our studies, you'll be able to 
be useful to other people in sharing what impacts you from these studies. So the children of Israel have experienced the Passover. They've left Egypt. The Exodus has taken place. And the Lord takes them deliberately on the long way. He's protecting them, but they don't understand that. They don't take that to heart. And also, there's more about redemption and salvation that he wants Israel to know. And he wants Egypt as well to see that the God of Israel is the one and the only true God. So with that in mind, let's read Exodus 14, starting in verse 5 and going to verse 18. We want to take our time with this passage. It's a useful and important one. Exodus 14, 5. And I encourage you to write that, Exodus 14, 5 through 18. Write that in the comment section. The more of you who do that, the easier it is for people who are following along to stay on top of the scriptures with us. When the king of Egypt was told that the children of Israel had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart towards the children of Israel. They said, what have we done letting Israel stop being our slaves? You know, what were we thinking? Why did we do that? We shouldn't have done it. That's that change of heart. Verse six. So Pharaoh prepared his chariots and he took his people with him. He took 600 top quality chariots as well as the other chariots in Egypt along with their commanders. Verse eight. Adonai made Pharaoh hard-hearted and he pursued. Pharaoh pursued the children of Israel as they left boldly. The Egyptians went after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh with his cavalry and army, and they overtook them as they were encamped by the sea, by Pi Hacherot in front of Baal Zephon. So they are near the Red Sea, they're the Sea of Reeds, and they're at that place where they can't really go forward because of the sea. And the Egyptians think that they've made some big mistake, that they're trapped, and now they're coming to recapture the children of Israel and to bring them back into slavery. Verse 10. So as Pharaoh approached, the children of Israel looked up and they saw the Egyptians right there coming after them. In great fear, the children of Israel cried out. So I want you to put that in the comments section. In great fear. Or in great fear, the children of Israel cried out. Because that's an important detail. It's a theme that's going to um, be part of this passage. In great fear, the people of Israel cried out to Adonai, and they said to Moses, verse 11, was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the desert? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you in Egypt to let us alone? We'll just go on being slaves for the Egyptians. It would be better for us to be the Egyptian slave than to die in the desert. Fascinating passage that's really interesting. You can see their fear response so clearly. And that's what Moses is speaking to. Verse 13, Moses responds to the people and he says, stop being so fearful. Would you put that in the comment section? Stop being so fearful, exclamation point. Stop being so fearful, remain steady. And you will see how Adonai is going to save you. He will do it today. Today you have seen the Egyptians, but you will never see them again. Verse 14, Adonai will do battle for you. Just 
calm yourselves down. Stop being so fearful. I think that their fear and the fear he's speaking to, the fear Moses is speaking to is more than psychological fear. And it's also more than physical fear. It had a spiritual dimension to it. And I say that because it affected their spiritual perspective and their outlook. And when they dealt with their fear, their spiritual strength could return. Not only that, when they, when they expressed spiritual focus on God, their fear became completely different. It wasn't really a factor. But sometimes you just got to calm down. You got to get a grip on yourself. Each one of us has to do this, but it's not just dealing with it using your best psychological tools. It's, you know, it's not just trying to, to breathe through it. You know, you're panting, you're nervous, the adrenaline's flowing, <laughs> you know, you're breathing fast. It's not just trying to get your breath under control. Some people think, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to calm myself down that way. No, it's a matter of focusing on the Lord. But you see, when you redirect your spiritual energy to God and not to fear of circumstance or even fear of enemies or fear of the threats in front of us, it's a way of remaining steady. And this is what Moses says, remain steady and you will see how Adonai is going to save you. And I think that's very interesting. Some people reserve being steady until after they've seen God work. But I believe that there's a key here that we have to sometimes get a hold of ourselves and remain steady. Remain steady in this case, I think means steady in your faith, steady in your focus on the Lord. When you do that, you will see what you won't see any other way. It's not that you can be a reactive, steady, and calm person. You have to be proactive in being steady. That's what it means to be a man or a woman of faith. It means no matter what the situation is, you're pressing your soul and your spirit forward in the strength of God, you're focusing on the Lord. Now, of course, some of us, you know, we have a physical response, you know, the adrenaline flows, or we have that fear response that's psychological, or it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's emotional, but it's rational given the circumstance. But there's a steadiness that's inside of you that's going to prevail. And maybe you need a few minutes to get a hold of yourself. Maybe, maybe some people have to, you know, take a nap or you have to go to sleep and then wake up with a different perspective. It's good to know yourself and your patterns in this regard. But here's, here's the idea that, that when we deal with spiritual things in spiritual ways, they have an effect on our psychological condition, but also on the actual circumstantial situations that we're in. Now, by the way, praying in the Spirit can help you with this. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us so that we can pray in the Spirit. And when we pray in the Spirit, one of the things that happens is that we edify ourselves, we build ourselves up. And that building up is the building up of our faith. 
your spiritual man, your spiritual woman inside becomes stronger when you pray in the spirit. And the other thing is reading scripture and letting it sink into your heart and mind can help you too. When you read in the scriptures about God's faithfulness and about how the children of Israel and those who remain faithful to God turn their attention to God, no matter what the circumstance, and you see the victory that comes, it will fortify you. It will build you up. It will strengthen you in powerful ways. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. I love that. Go forward. And that's why last night I called this message Kadima anyway. It's a good phrase because Kadima is one of my favorite Hebrew words. You can write it out in English transliteration as K-A-D-I-M-A. And I encourage everybody who's using the comment section, write Kadima right now. Kadima, exclamation point, forward exclamation point. Even though it's not used in the Hebrew in this verse, it captures the sentiment for me perfectly. Kadima, forward. You see, the Lord is revealing himself here as yod heh He's revealing himself as redeemer and savior. And then verse 16, the instruction to Moses, lift your staff, reach out with your hand over the sea and divide it in two. The people of Israel will advance into the sea on dry ground. This is something Moses cannot do in his own power. Of course, he can lift his hand up. He can raise his staff. You know, he could, he could do that, but he can't divide the sea. He can't make the, the um, seabed dry. Only God can do that. Verse 17, then the Lord says, as for me, I'll make the Egyptians hard-hearted and they'll march in after the children of Israel. And in this way, I'll win glory for myself at the expense of Pharaoh and all his army, chariots, and cavalry. Verse 18, and then the Egyptians will realize that I am Adonai, when I've won myself glory at the expense of Pharaoh, his chariots, and his cavalry. So in this way, Egypt will learn something, but also Israel is learning something about God, who is Redeemer and God, who is Savior. And that's what I want to focus on, friends. God is our Redeemer. God is our Savior. God is the Messiah. I want to share with you a number of verses from different books of the Bible that illustrate this, this important set of truths about God being Redeemer, Savior, and Messiah. Job 19.25, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. What a powerful statement. My Redeemer is alive. Psalm 18, verse 46. Put this in the comment section, please. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. That is so interesting. The, the psalmist is declaring this, God is the God of my salvation. God is the God who saves me. Now, some Jewish people will say, well, we don't, we don't talk about salvation. We don't believe in salvation. And I would just say that's wrong. That, that is uh, an uneducated Jewish point of view. It's an uninformed or misinformed Jewish point of view. God is a God of salvation. yod heh vav reveals himself as a redeemer and as a savior. Psalm 78, verse 35, says they remembered that God was their rock and that God Most High, El Elyon, was their redeemer, their kinsman redeemer. 
And then let's go on to the prophets. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 14. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I'll send to Babylon and bring them all as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. And I want to focus not on what he will do, but who he is. The Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Do you see it clearly? Isaiah did. And then let's go to Jeremiah 50, verse 34. It says this, their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will fervently plead their case so that he may bring rest to the earth, but turmoil to those who live in Babylon, turmoil to those who are in the Babylonian system of idolatry, occult powers, and so forth. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, the Psalms, and the New Covenant also gives us understanding as well. Let's look at Acts chapter 7, verse 35. This passage is very interesting. It says, this Moses whom they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer. God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. That's very interesting. So in this passage, Moses is a redeemer but he's a redeemer as an instrument of God. God's using him as a redeemer. God is the actual redeemer. Now, many Jewish people in our time are thinking Moses is the redeemer. Well, Moses is acting as a redeemer, but he's not the kinsman redeemer. He is the agent or instrument of redemption. The source is God. God is the redeemer. Now, just to make it clear, Micah chapter 6, verse 4 in the, um, in the Tanakh says it like this. The Lord says, I brought you up out of Egypt and I redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. Do you see it there? The Lord is saying, I am the redeemer. I sent Moses to lead you on that long path of redemption. I sent him to lead you, but the Lord says, I am the redeemer. He says of himself, I am the redeemer. And that's why we can say this, God, the redeemer is our God. God, the savior is our God. God, the Messiah is our God. And for that reason, we say Kadima forward anyway, let's keep our eyes on Yeshua Let's remember that God redeems us. Let's remember that God saves us. That's the truth, and we all need it. If you understand that God is not just um, that God is not just all powerful, He's a redeemer and He's a savior. And that the Messiah is not just the man, that God is the Messiah, God is the anointed one, God is the one who redeems us. When you grasp that, then the story of Yeshua coming to this earth, taking on human flesh and becoming our redeemer begins to make total sense. This morning may be the day that you turn to the Lord. Maybe you're realizing this truth that Yeshua, our Messiah and our savior is Adonai, our Lord, that God is our redeemer and he is also our Messiah. And if that's the case, you know what's good to do? It's just to pray and to say this to the Lord. You can pray with me. Lord, thank you for redeeming me 
through Yeshua. You yourself have become, Lord, my redemption. You are my redeemer and you are my savior. And I turn away from my sins and everything that separates from me from you. And I confess with my mouth, Yeshua is Adonai, that he died for me and rose from the dead. He's paid for my sins and he's given his life so that I can live for him. Amen. If you prayed like this for the first time, I want to congratulate you and ask you to let me know. We'll rejoice with you. Today is a great day that we're celebrating God, our Redeemer, God, our Deliverer, God, our Savior, God, the Messiah. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing now, and I want to invite the Corsians to join us on screen. And before we say Aaron's blessing, would you consider standing with us financially. You can find out all the information at bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And we're going to close with Aaron's blessing now. And can we, Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Sanina, are you, are you there? There you are. Great. And, and Sandy greets, she's not on camera today, but she sends her greetings. She's here with us uh, in heart and spirit. So Rabbi Yuri, you want to do Hebrew and Russian? I'll do English. Let's pray. Thank you, Robert David. And in English, May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. So from Rabbi Yuri and Rebetzin Ina, from Rebetzin Sandy and me, we say Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for joining us. And we just hope you have a wonderful Shabbat today. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Rabbi David. Shabbat shalom.